Hi everyone! Welcome to episode 7 of Wind and Rain. Remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. And be sure to check out Ozzy's new long-running story of the week posted on the homepage for your viewing pleasure. The latest one is called Bad Company. It's a second-person experience with the reader playing a character named Burke. There's some drug addiction, space explosions, a hot guy named Hoshi, and a sentient space creature named Shuri. Check it out. Now, back to the story. She knelt on hands and knees, gasping for breath, staring at familiar cobblestones in Crossroads Courtyard as Magda cautiously stuck her head under Phoebe's hair to look at her. Mistress, did you do it? Yes, said Phoebe. It's done. Damn journals were all wrong. Silencing his stupid fucking riddles, complained Thunder. If he's gonna record a name, it should be a goddamn name that works instead of making me look like a jackass, shouting out a bullshit binding on a dead guy. What's so hard about writing things down? Sky King, said Magda, please do not worry about looking like a jackass. We already know what you are. It is not a surprise. Magda helped Phoebe up, putting an arm underneath her since her legs didn't want to function right. She sighed in relief to see the big house, even with its cracked and broken foundations. Oh, thank God. Maggie, please take me home. <sighs> said Thunder, following behind the two women, considering. You know, you two aren't too bad to work with. You know, for girls. And hey, if you look at it just right, I kind of got to be inside both of you. So, you know, that's pretty kinky. Magda and Phoebe looked at each other. Ew, said Phoebe. Shame that silence has gone all supervillain on us. Could you imagine her face if I told her I'd been inside her wife? Oh, he hate that. Thunder chuckled to himself. Magda rolled her eyes. I now see why Lady Hurricane occasionally tries to kill this person. Oh, come on, it's just a joke. Wouldn't it be funny? I mean, hey, I don't know what it says about you two that you let me inside you. He coughed dramatically. <laughs> Sluts! Ahem. <clears throat> Maggie, you have my permission to gut him if he keeps talking. Mistress, you're too generous. I try. Women have no sense of humor, he muttered. I'll, I'll tell Faistos what you said, said Phoebe. It was just a joke, he said. No need to tell him about it. Sheesh. Chapter 8 Idas felt old magic stirring around him. It tasted like ice and pressure, ozone and iron. He licked his lips. Hurricane, she's here. Wait, old man, he called to the nothingness around him. Hurricane is here and getting fired up. He always liked watching her work. Give me a chance to watch this. Hurricane? You want a storm? Who doesn't want a storm, he said, laughing. She's a beauty to watch, raw grace and limitless violence. Show me, Hyperion. I want to see her. The ice crystals and water vapor of expanding galaxies pulled together to show him his request. She stood with Ocean as a gate flashed with brilliant white light in Thunder's trademark signature. There was a long moment of silence and stillness. Neither Ocean or Hurricane moved or spoke. I want to get up close, Hyperion. Open her up to me so I can watch. The void reached out to touch Hurricane lightly, spiraling into the space between her atoms, filling up that space within, and Ibis saw. Are you ready, treasure? asked Ocean, gently. He knew how bad this was going to be. She knew, too. She just didn't want to admit it. No, I don't want to do this. Not again. Another loud boom and a geyser of flame and heat wafted towards them. Rael, there is no choice. Ocean looked towards the south and reached out a hand for her. He is no longer your brother, just a mass of heat and rage. Don't tell me what I already know, she snapped. I know he's basically dead. But it's no different than fighting a volcano at this point. But you try to forget your baby brother. I remember him. I remember him before. I can't just let go of that. His outstretched hand flexed. You must. Please, Rael. Please let him go. Ocean shook his head slowly. He won't even know who you are. He can't even feel anymore. It's a mercy to do this. Hurricane let out a long hiss, hating that he was right, and hating herself for being weak and indecisive even more. She finally took his hand and let him pull her close to him. 
fine, she said, burying his, her face against his shoulder. Fine. He leaned his cheek against her hair and wrapped her close, his whole body curled around her in protective comfort. I know. We will be as quick and kind as we can, but I will not use, lose you and we will not let our friends down. It must be done. She let her arms slip around his waist, feeling his heavy, reassuring weight around her in relief, and said through gritted teeth, Do it. I love you, he said quietly, holding her for another moment, before he liquefied both of their bodies and sped through the soil and stone towards the explosion. Hurricane's senses registered only the exhilaration of the water. Idas could feel her mingling with ocean, propelled through the earth and air with ecstatic abandon. Her senses were filled only up with her husband with the texture of the water, with complete trust and joy in him, as if her consciousness and oceans were a single entity made more whole in coming together. There was nothing but love, practiced embrace, and single-minded focus as their two powers blended perfectly. It infuriated him. Kuleil was close, close enough that the diffused streams of ocean hurricane flooded through the earth and flowed into the massive hole he was digging in the center of the continent. He was gigantic, larger than even Idas remembered as Ocean brought the water up from the subsurface and gradually reformed them a safe dif distance away. Hurricane's brother had lost all semblance of a human or fey form. Fire magic had turned his skin black and red, tempered scales along his body, burnt him in confusingly intricate patterns that almost looked like tattoos on his dragon hide. His long tail whipped back and forth as he blew fireballs and rendered the earth with his claws, digging into deep magma to lick up the flames and heat, needing more needing to feed. Idas felt a moment of complete sympathy for him. Nothing burns like hunger, my brother. I feel it too. Hurricane's face and emotions were still and calm now. Once she decided on a course of action, she was rarely conflicted about it, remembered Idas, impressed again with her determination. Hurricane had decided to destroy her brother. Therefore, there was no time for sadness or emotion or anything. Just time to destroy him. Poor Kulel, I could almost feel sorry for the pain you are about to receive. How do you want to do this, lover? She said, keeping her eyes fixed on the dragon scouring deep chasms before her. He is much more powerful than last time. Hmm. Same plan, I would think. I will shield you as best I can and give you as much power as you can hold. If you can weaken him enough, he loses his armor. Perhaps we can trap him in that convenient hole he's made for us and bind him. Do you remember the binding spell Silence made for him? Can you cast it? Silence would never tell me anything about it. Damn straight I wouldn't, thought Silence. I couldn't be sure you wouldn't decide to help and release the monster. Yes, said Ocean, I remember. Slow him down, strip away his armor. I will protect you and strike with the binding, if I'm able, when the time is right. Great. Hurricane called up her winds, letting her body lengthen and glow with turquoise silver light, feeling ribbons of power extend out of her to her hammer. Armor formed. Idas could feel her bloodlust starting, a deep throb of need and focus echoing in every cell of her being that reminded him of sex and death, intoxicating power similar to his own, but so much sweeter. He drank in the sensation from her, feeling his own magic augmenting it, amplifying the sensation, and reveled in it. He remembered the first time he saw her. Ocean, I'm sorry, I came as soon as I could, said Idas, bending the stone back from himself as he slipped out of the earth near the water mage. The other man was staring at something behind Silence. His gray-blue eyes were fixed and unmoving, even though Silence had basically appeared right before him, under his feet. I had a little trouble up north with a... He stopped as Ocean very gently turned him toward the coast. Oh my... The most beautiful woman he had ever seen was dancing. Long, silky blue hair seemed merged with the breeze, and her elegant limbs at once flowed and struck with savage intensity that scoured and broke on her target. She must have been twenty feet tall, shining in turquoise and silver, half woman, half tornado. Her movements sang with screaming violence and winds that ripped apart anything in her path as she strode across the coast toward her target. A target that was wreathed in flame. The other creature shaped itself into a salamander of plasma and heat so intense Silence could feel it from the outcropping Ocean had very reasonably stationed himself at. Below them, there had been a thriving harbor, a capital city, a jungle, a civilization. It was now rather less 
It was, in fact, a smoking hole in the ground, a large one. The flame figure reached down to scour another handful of earth up into its jaw, eating the temples and the people with it, letting its body expand more and more with each gulp. The woman swung harder, contact making the earth shake and sonic ripples echo in the air, reaching the two observers, but the flame creature was too strong, too powerful. He flowed around her, almost liquid in the air, sucking up her oxygen, consuming her winds and letting his own flames flare, scorching her and burning the earth black for miles. Ocean, breathed silence in awe. What have you brought me to? A bloodbath, he said solemnly. You said in your land that some powerful magi were becoming consumed by their power, that they seemed to be blurring the lines between nature and magic, becoming elementals themselves and consuming all things to power their ever-present need. He made a little wave. I think that phenomena has come to my home as well. They have been fighting for three days and will destroy the whole continent if nothing is done. I... Silence paused, watching in awe as the woman tore the flame thing off her and executed a leaping swan dive into a nearby river, liquefying herself partially and drawing up the water around her, gaining another few feet of height and returning to the fight with her winds restored and howling like living things, flattening everything within a mile radius and smashing the fire thing to earth with a victorious shriek, only to have licks of flame again surround her as the creature buried a taloned claw into the heart of the chasm, drawing up more fire. Do you know why they are fighting? he asked finally. Ocean shook his head. I do not. One of the shaman of my old city came to the temple to ask for assistance. He said the gods had run, am run amok and they didn't know what to do. I came. I saw that. He nodded to the carnage, only intensifying now that the woman had restored herself in the river and the fire creature was anchored to the hole in the earth. And then I called you, Shadow Mage. So you did. Silence took a breath and tried not to be afraid. Well, shall we try to break them up then? Hmm, rumbled Ocean. Try is a good word, I suppose. Silence couldn't see. He couldn't think. There was only a constant screaming in his ears and heavy blunt force trauma coming from something he couldn't see and couldn't predict. His own stone skin cracked under the onslaught. He couldn't even find the woman in the wind and rain pounding him like metal anvils or hear himself think in the radius around her. Get out, he heard in his mind. This is not your business. Leave, interloper. He thought he could feel ocean somewhere, wrapped in waves, protecting himself against the fire creature. But this blue-haired banshee seemed to be screaming at him. I'm here to help, he said desperately, trying to avoid another battering ram of force that broke his armor apart. He frantically pulled more stone from the bedrock beneath him to cover the failed portions, but the stone was softening, heated by the fire creature and turning liquid and unusable for him. Damn, he thought, trying to find another useful portion before the banshee diced him into tiny pieces. He could feel her spell change. Something was different. He felt the rain turn to ice and the wind intensify, if that was even possible. This is a private matter, said the voice in his head again. Go away. We will go away if you stop this destruction, said Ocean, powerfully cutting through the storm with a lance of his trident and ripples of midnight blue. You are hurting the people and the land. I don't care, she said. The fire creature chose that moment to wheel on wings of flame, blasting a firestorm of explosive heat and debris around them. Silence sank deeper into the earth as Ocean called up his wave shield again. The flame creature sped through it, evaporating it in a cloud of steam. Silence re-emerged from the, from the stone as Ocean closed his eyes and reset the spell, shaping indigo black magic in the shape of a net and flinging it onto the creature, dragging it down to the earth and wrapping stone around its limbs. The woman made an inarticulate shout of rage. You will not touch him. Don't hurt him. Silence had a moment of confusion, a moment to think, what? But I'm helping, before a battering ram smashed him to pieces. He felt bones break up and down his legs, felt his ribcage crushed, felt his forearms snap with sickening, audible noises and drive him into the earth. Undone, he lay there gasping for breath as Ocean stood protectively over him, his obsidian trident rooted into the earth as he called waves and waves of water from the coast. Blue-black water surrounded them in a deafening bubble and swirled over the flame creature, suddenly cooling the rift the thing had torn to power its flames into nothing but hard rock and burying it in pressures and ice of deep ocean water. 
It made a cry and lost its fire form in the cold, becoming nothing more than a teenage boy, tattooed and unconscious, trapped in the water bubble, anchored with stone manacles. Kuleo, no! The shriek of sheer rage and violence exploded Silence's eardrums. He had no idea how Ocean was still standing. Although, standing may have been an optimistic word. Ocean was bent. Midnight blue ribbons of power waved around the trident, lashed to the stone around Silence. The wind raged. Let him go. You have no right to touch him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's sick. Stop. Ocean shouted, throwing up a thick wave to overwhelm and stop the wind. But the woman spun his wave into her own storm, sucking up the magic and getting stronger, slamming the two men with hammer hits that drove Ocean to his knees. We are not your enemies, he shouted again. You killed him. You killed my brother. He's not dead. He's fine. Woman, stop, shouted Ocean, trying to weave a protection spell or transmutation or anything to ease the shocking pain leveled against them both. Silence could feel more bones breaking as she drove him deeper into the stone. Since that let him pull the healing energies over himself, he couldn't really complain, reaching deep into the rock and letting its minerals fill up the abused spaces in his body. But it took time, and Ocean didn't have much. Silence could see her pulling Ocean's power out of him, consuming him. With each breath, she seemed to grow larger and more enraged. Ocean dropped his trident, and a wall of water rushed over Silence, the boy, and what was left of Ocean as he lost control and was crushed beneath his own waves. Silence closed stone over his body, feeling the water crash over them, but protected in the stillness, and watched as Ocean suddenly liquefied in a flash of deep blue. He could see Ocean as water taken up by the woman, consumed, and just as suddenly fall as rain into the center of her storm, falling around her, into her, through her, Blue magic surrounded her, turning her turquoise silver into a deep blue-green, transmuting her form and becoming her tempest, and suddenly the winds started to ease. Tendrils of ocean flowed around her, harmonizing with the gale, matching her energies, rippling out as the squall gently wound down, until the winds faded, until there was only the sound of rain on the earth and waves, and the woman was again a woman, glowing with combined magical powers, and not an undulating dance of storming terror. Silence felt his newfound bones working and propped himself up out of the stone to see Ocean reforming, wrapped around the strange woman in a deeply intimate embrace, as if he had so completely merged with her that his body and hers were the same, trapped in the same magic, the same spell. Silence could see him trying to reform, trying to isolate the two magics, and he could see the two figures gradually becoming separate. But as Ocean again appeared as a man, Silence saw that he was wound around her in a way that had nothing to do with magic. His arms around her, hands buried in her hair, mouth pressed against hers, her arms were clutching his shoulders, holding him tightly against her as rain fell around them in the final death of her storm. Silence lay back down into the stones to let his bones finish knitting, bemused and a little embarrassed. Well then, he thought to himself, I sure hope the kid's okay, since his sister is going to be distracted for a minute or two. He spared a glance over to the boy, who was passed out in his temporary prison, seemingly fine, and another glance to his friend, who seemed to be taking things even further with the strange woman, and he again closed his eyes and sank down deeper into the stone to give them some privacy. I guess Ocean made a new friend. Hyperion is never going to believe me, that Ocean had to make love to a woman to stop from getting killed. It suddenly struck him as intensely funny, and he chuckled to himself, delighted with both of them for reasons he couldn't quite understand. We'll have to call her Hurricane, he thought. I'm sure they'll be very happy together. Hyperion was definitely not going to believe it. Ocean opened his arms from the corner of a great rocky wasteland, as if he was going to embrace the great red dragon digging deep into the earth, still oblivious to them. Great waves shot up out of the rocky soil, matching his position, coiling around him like giant living things, waiting, held, and built with more and more water, and Ocean called it from the surroundings. They grew, deep blue guardians growing larger and larger, the shape of a head and a tail began appearing. Horses, a herd, pawing around him, making white water cascades as they stamped and rippled at his side. Hurricane also grew, letting her dance begin with a loop of her hammer around her head. The wind started to scream as she pulled in wild oceans, shimmering blue magic as her own. Her body shifted, becoming a gossamer-thin outline in a rotating storm cloud of turquoise silver. 
Both waited for the waves to build, feeling ocean's colossal strength deepening. Rivers started to run in the rock. Winds whipped clouds into a frenzy 50 feet high. And hurricanes struck. She launched herself at the dragon in a fury of light and wind, striking him with the force of a freight train, provoking a deep bellow that punched through the earth in a shockwave that warped and bent light and matter for a moment. Kulel reeled from the hit, feeling to face his attacker and leaving the bleeding magma chasm he had buried himself in just as Ocean closed his arms together, releasing the wave strider. A furious sound like thunder and a tornado and an earthquake echoed around them as horses shot forward, flooding the plain, bowling over the dragon, plunging into chasm to cool and fill it as steam billowed up. And still the water came. Ocean remained frozen, totally still, as another wall of water followed them, and another, and another. His blue trident pulsed with magic and will until the whole plain was flooded, drowned. Even the mountains were deep underwater, only their tips barely reaching to the top of the waves, forcing Kulil to take flight. Ruby-red wings flapped desperately in the crushing cold water as he tried to thrust himself away from the tsunami, but he tumbled in the waves, confused and battered by blue-silver horses leaping around him in white water, and Hurricane's mad battering now only strengthened with Ocean's power behind her. As he clawed for the surface, Ocean followed, expanding even larger, her turquoise hammer seeming to light from place to place in graceful, effortless devastation as she lifted above the waves with the red dragon. His head shot above the water, and he struggled, clawing, wreathing himself in, red, himself in red flame and steam, screaming an inhuman, enraged scream that ripped through the air, cutting it, rising above even hurricanes' wild winds. The dragon glowed red gold from the inside, building something in its guts. Hurricane let her winds continue, but started to weave turquoise silver manacles from the ocean water, letting them climb up Kulil's body, serpent-like, and then the world exploded. Kulail opened his mouth, and fiery lava spewed forth in a pyroclastic flow that engulfed them both in a geyser of heat and light, simultaneously shooting up into the atmosphere, and deep, deep below, into the chasm below the water, reopening it, and plunging to the very heart of the planet in a way that made the continent flex and start to crack around them. Blasting hurricanes fell apart and launching himself into the air with a violent heave of shattered earth under his claws. The earth seemed to groan, and more explosions echoed under the water. Stone and mountains collapsed in exploding magma around them, the water burning off in, the tr in a tremendous cloud, blasted out of the impact crater of Kulel's spell before rushing back in with a roar and a blanket of thick steam that Hurricane used to spin her winds stronger, following Kulel up into the air, high above the surface of the roiling sea. Idas could feel her elation and her battle lust and gloried with her in it as the image of Kulel seemed to split into thousands of mirror replicas, each hissing and shooting plasma-hot energy waves that burned through the air, burning away hurricane storm clouds and sucking up her winds as each one of the replicas swung by her, chewing, biting, flaming pieces of her, and making her cry out. Ocean's great waves swirled up, wrapping around her in protective armor, and a huge fist made of water lifted from the sea at a gesture from Ocean's trident, grabbing the closest image and dragging it into the water where it sputtered and died with an incoherent shriek. More fish shot up and dragged more of the false coils into the water. Steam and rain fell, healing Hurricane, letting her polar winds around her again into her usual armor consuming the shield Ocean had thrown around her for power as she streaked toward what seemed to be the real one, launching her hammer in a long throw, glowing blue-green silver as it tore from her hands and trailed into the red dragon, embedding itself solidly in Kulil's forehead with a soundless explosion of magic and light that made him reel back and screech in painful frustration, stilling his wings for a moment, and then dropping him close to Ocean, who reached up with wine-dark waves to encircle him. Hurricane threw herself around Kulil, wrapping her winds around him, linking turquoise ribbons, capturing his limbs and magic in a rotating pattern of mirrors, reflecting his heat and rage back to him with her own skin, and tying him up with an iridescent rope of herself, tying it tight and plummeting him into Ocean's waiting grasp. She thinned, rotating wind mirrors shimmering, rippling with his heat and hatred, bending and warping as he screamed in rage, holding him closer and feeling her own skin dying as they fell into cold depths, dragged deeper and deeper into the hole in the earth he'd first dug, turning magma frozen and still now as Ocean shoved him into the heart of the planet with Hurricane holding him securely. The heat was killing her. She could feel her essence burning apart even with Ocean's coolness around her, and she was on fire. Hold on, she heard Ocean, 
We will have to drive him deep into the heart. Can you make it? Yes, she thought, wrapping more tightly about her brother. I am not afraid. Ocean drove them, deep, deep below the waves, pounding through the thin shell of earth binding the chasm, making his water like a drill bit shooting straight to the heart of the planet. The liquid metal core, the only thing that would be able to absorb Kulil's heat in its eternal nu nuclear reactor. Kulil screamed again and fought, exploding against her reflecting magic with the force of a hydrogen bomb, making her shudder. More of her essence burned away. Idis could feel it with her, disappearing, melting, agonizing pain burned into each atom of her being. He cried out for her, locked safely in Hyperion's mind, but sensing the overwhelming heat and pressure threatening to burn out her soul. He was aware, as she was not, of tiny diamonds crystallizing along her magic, remnants of soil and carbon becoming gems strewn behind the two in the rock passage they carved as they fell into the heart of the world. All Hurricane could feel was boiling pain along every particle of her being. Almost there, said Ocean. His mind voice was tight with strain and the effort of shielding her descent through the molten magma layers and freezing the passages to prevent unleashing the lava. When I tell you, let him go and stay liquid if you can. I will catch you. She didn't bother to answer, letting a scent fill what was left of her mind that wasn't consumed by the flames already. But there wasn't much left. She tried to hold tighter, but Kulail was breathing in the fire of the rock around him and pressing against her, boiling her away. Her grip was dying. She was dying, evaporating, dissipating into the rock the farther she fell. Cha'an, she whispered. Please, now, I can't hold anymore. I'm dying. She couldn't be sure her husband even heard her. Her mind was stretching and dissipating so quickly. She could feel Kulel's claws tear through what was left of her, feel ribbons of her magic, tattered remnants of her personality and consciousness in them flutter before being consumed. Go, he answered, and she gratefully released her brother into the molten metal core of the earth, bound in an electromagnetic field, as Ocean finished the spell and slammed the conduit shut against the gaping hell as Kulel opened his mouth in a victorious scream and leveled a shot at them. Hurricane let herself fall away, slipping into water and steam, letting herself come apart, drifting in the heat. No name, no magic, only heat and pressure and liquid as pieces of her slipped into the stones and the ocean and her magic failed. No, shouted Idis, feeling her come apart as if her mind was his own. He moved into the space between her particles, amplifying attractive forces, triggering spontaneous reassembly to pull her back from the stones, from the basalt and the spinel bordering the conduit, pushing out her hydrolyzed consciousness back into liquid form, locking the stones of the crystal to keep her out, keep her melted. Idis solidified the gate holding Khalil in the world heart, using the time to build layer after layer of thick crystal and cold stone above him, using ocean's minerals and feeling the electromagnetic pull around him manipulating the iron ore into gate layers on gate layers to push what was left of Hurricane closer to the surface. He needed to buy her time until Ocean could catch her. Wisps of turquoise silver flashed, liquefied in the cold salt water, losing their glow, fading into the depths until even Idis couldn't see her through the stone's eyes or feel anything but the water. A sudden ripple of dark blue in the cold sea felt familiar. Idis felt his brother wrapping around those tiny, fading, turquoise-silver moats in the black depths of the new sea. Felt Ocean grab the moats, retrieve her magic from the shimmering water, pull her back together, iota by iota, until a beautiful woman with blue hair lay held motionless in the seawater, broken and unconscious, but alive. Ocean swirled around her, taking a physical form again so he could pull her close and open a rift to crossroads with a flick of his obsidian trident and step through into safety. Idis let himself float to the surface, feeling Hyperion's curiosity as the Leviathan watched through his eyes. The new sea was encircled by several islands, oozing lava, but almost gently, as if the volcanoes were just saying hello to the water, or that they liked seeing the steam waterfalls rising. It was peaceful. Idis tilted his head toward the sun and hung in the waves, watching the clouds above him. Hyperion, he started, as if remembering something from long ago. Why are we doing this again? Doing what? This, said Idis, waving his hand toward the sky vaguely. Why did we do this? Why not? It's the way things should be. Right. Idis felt the sun on his face. 
I forgot. You feel something? I decide. No, I just remembered how much I liked Hurricane and my old life, and now I remember what a pain in the ass it is. He laughed to himself. Let me just stay here for a while. There is no hurry. The end of anything is just a beginning for something else. Time doesn't matter. Doesn't even exist. No, it doesn't, murmured Idas, closing his eyes and enjoying the sensation of liberty as Hyperion's cold darkness sped through him again. He welcomed it, feeling the void eating up all the complicated bits of himself that he still felt, that he still needed. No more guilt, no more responsibility, no more love, just icy freedom. I forgot, old friend, forgot how nice it was just to not care. He laughed, reaching up his arms, seeing his form again split into nebulous shadows absorbed into Hyperion's great mind, reveling in not existing. Maggie had to hold her up. It would have been embarrassing in another life, perhaps, but two big battles and the emotional trauma of the last one with Hullum. Maggie, honey, take me to Judas, please. But mistress, we have to check on Ocean and Hurricane. We can't leave them. Of course, of course. She gripped Phoebe's hand and squeezed. I will drop you at the hospital, and you can rest, rest while I find Judas and plan our next assault. Yes, she said, unutterably grateful. Sounds good. She collapsed into one of the beds, just enough to pull a blanket over her and remember that she needed to ask Anouk to restock all the salve and medications in here before falling asleep. In what could have only been moments later, shouting and loud noises woke her up as Ocean and Hurricane staggered into the house. Both were soaking wet, burned, bloody. Ocean was holding Hurricane in his arms, wobbling with exhaustion and pain, though Hurricane looked to be in worse condition. Magda helped take Hurricane from him, and Judas guided them into beds. Magda snapped out instructions to Anouk and a few other fairies left and willing. Phoebe tried to clear her eyes and tried to get up, but the bed seemed confusingly complicated with the blanket tangling up her legs somehow. A young elemental she didn't remember or recognize, Earth, she thought absently, seemed attracted by her fumbling and calmly placed its hand on her forehead, dropping her back to sleep. She woke up again in the dark, hearing nothing but breathing around her. Peaceful. Maggie, she called softly into the quiet, are you there? Miss? came right next to her ear, making her jump. A wet tongue licked her face reassuringly. Relax, we're safe, just sleep. Hurricane? Ocean? All safe. Judas and Anouk are restocking materials. Several elementals have come home. They are rebuilding the city and the house. You are still recovering. Oh, okay. She let her eyes close again. Silence? No word. Judas has Thanatos out looking for him, but nothing yet. And nothing in the mirror. Oh. Phoebe felt tears starting for some reason, as if being safe and warm had liquefied something in her that had been frozen. She rolled to her side so she could cuddle Magda and cried into her silky fur that smelled like wet dog and rain on the mountain. She woke again in still darkness. The infirmary was silent, everyone tucked into exhausted slumber. Everyone but me. Magda was curled next to her in a warm ball, making little whuffling noises and twitching in her sleep, dog form. Phoebe slipped out of bed as quickly as she could, making an effort not to disturb the hound, and moved to the small kitchenette for something to drink. The hospital didn't have any windows, not that we'd need any down here, but she felt hungry for moonlight, for starlight. A deep blue glow attracted her eyes from the far end of the room where Magda had put Ocean and Hurricane. Phoebe patted over, delicately opening the curtain to check on the two. Ocean was bent over his wife, humming in his deep voice at a register Phoebe couldn't hear exactly, but that seemed to echo in her bones and vibrate her teeth pleasantly. He stroked his wife's hair and hummed, lips moving in a language Phoebe didn't recognize, but she thought she could smell marigolds and lilies with each movement of his hand through Hurricane's long hair. How is she? asked Phoebe trying not to disturb the rhythm of what was obviously a healing spell. Can I help? Hmm, he rumbles, sounding tired. Yes, you can help, Lady Spring. This is not my gift, and I... He paused, seeing the dim glow around him already fading. His aura felt bruised to her, tired and beaten. I am not at my best. 
He glanced at her. I would appreciate anything you can give, though I know you are tired. Never too tired for you and Hurricane, she said, smiling at him. Never fear, I'm much better after a nap and a massage with Magda's heal-all. She placed her hands on Hurricane, letting golden light shift and settle on her like fairy dust. Living dust that danced in the effable wind, flooding into her nose, mouth, eyes, glowing bright in the darkness of the infirmary. With each breath, Phoebe could feel all of Hurricane's hurts reflected on her own skin. Burning. So hot. She gasped, feeling her skin coming apart, boiling. Felt the void expanding in her brain, her hands, her magic. Dying. She felt Hurricane's self thinning, disappearing, the terrible fear of failing and of vanishing into the nothingness, filling her up from the inside. Phoebe drove the golden light through all that pain, remaking the spaces the void had ripped apart with Hurricane's own essence, guiding it back to her, shaping it back to blood and bone and storm magic. Ozone and creosote, she thought, inhaling deeply, remembering Hurricane and healing the soul damage as well as the physical damage to bring her back. Rael, she sighed, and the words slipped off her tongue like the sound of wind in the desert, flooding the little space with eerie echoes before bouncing back to the woman on the bed. Come back to us. The scent of burned air and rain on creosote intensified, and Hurricane's hair stirred, lifted by invisible breezes. Rael, whispered Phoebe again, putting just a hint more magic behind her command. Come home. You're safe now. The void is gone. Fire is contained. Come home. The words sped from her lips, echoing from each side of the room in tiny, excited, whispered, running into each other, leaping over each other, to touch each other before diving into Hurricane, making her hair dance wildly and her breathing deepen as she opened her eyes finally. She looked at Phoebe and then at Ocean. I'm home, she said. Her face was twisted as if still in pain, and she looked at her clean, whole hands in shock. How? I died. I felt it. I felt myself die. I felt silence. I felt Hyperion. It was the void. Ocean calmly moved her body so he could brace himself against the wall with her pillows and pull Hurricane into an embrace, completely surrounding her. Yes, he said. I felt them too. You fell. I was not fast enough. He said the last into her hair, locking her arms, his arms around her chest and folding his legs around hers. I am so sorry. He nuzzled her neck and shoulders, and she turned so that she could lean against the, his upper body more comfortably. Che'an, she whispered, seeming to forget about Phoebe for a moment. I died. I felt them tear me apart. I was unmade. She shuddered. Ocean didn't say anything, just continued to hold her as Hurricane shook with reaction. After a moment, Hurricane seemed to calm down, putting her arms around Ocean and drifting off into normal slumber, healing slumber. Phoebe stood to go. Hell Queen, said Ocean in his low voice. I felt silence and Hyperion. His gray eyes looked up from his wife, capturing hers with an intensity she had never seen from Ocean. They were there. They attacked Hurricane, she asked, with a lump of dread in her throat. I can't. No, they were not attacking her. He looked down and settled the woman closer to him protectively. I believe silence held her back, held her together long enough for me to get there. Though I tasted Hyperion's coldness in her too. I'm not sure what happened. Phoebe sat down a little hard back into the chair and let her hand trail against the edge in distraction. Hyperion tried to unmake her and silence stopped her? Stopped her? Possibly, said the big man. I do not know. All I know is that I was not alone down there, and I tasted Silence's magic on the waves, clear as day, guiding me to her and weaving up the shadows of what remained for me. I don't understand. Ocean sighed and let his lips rest on his wife's forehead for a moment as he considered. It occurs to me that Silence has always felt it his duty to live for others, to provide a service, to play a part. I doubt he realizes we would love him for himself, Perhaps the pressure he put on himself to be a master, to be a husband, to be the Hell King, to be all these things was just too much, and he forgot that he was also just Idas. He brushed Hurricane's hair slightly with his nose and breathed her scent in as if comforted. Perhaps he forgot what it was to love, 
Perhaps he felt that he'd failed as your husband, as a leader, as a man. These are all things familiar to me. So what? He released Hyperion because he couldn't live up to his own expectations for himself and just wants to see the world burn? Well, he has to take responsibility. She made a rude noise. I would hope Silence wouldn't be that stupid. We are all stupid, Spring. We're all flawed things, broken things. If I had lost my hurricane, Ocean stopped. I would be in agony. I would no longer be myself. We all tried to support him when you went away, but I don't think... I don't think any of us understood how fragile his emotions were or how much he relied on you and Hyperion. Ocean, sh Ocean shook his head. His whole ego and self-worth are tied to four people. He never leaned on me or Thunder. He never took the hands we offered, and we assumed he was fine. No one like him can be fine, not with Hyperion insane and you gone. Judas was the only one he ever talked to, and even Judas... Another long pause. I fear we may have done your husband a disservice, lady. A disservice he has shown us through the destruction of the mortal realm. He's a drama queen. Don't give him any excuses. She said it flippantly, harshly, and immediately regretted it. He's right. Silence should never have had to do this alone. He should never have been so dependent on me and Hyperion. We should have loved him better, shown him that he was valuable for himself, not what he could do for us. She gave a small laugh, forced in an attempt at humor. Well, if nothing else, at least he can resurrect or rebirth all those mortal souls he's helped kill when he comes home. I'm sure Judas and him can work out some sort of fast-track program to get the birth-death cycle back on track. Maybe an assembly line? Hmm, said Ocean. Is that a joke? It wasn't said maliciously, more curiously, as if Ernest Ocean had trouble telling the difference. Only partially, said Phoebe. I did actually talk to Judas about restoring the river Styx and Leith and purifying some of these souls to find their way back to the world, but... It's, I'm just not enough. I can ease some of their pains, but I can't take the scars, and I can't remake them like silence. To me, they're just smoke and shadows, not living things. He's the only one that can give them form and substance again. I see. Ocean looked toward the door to the infirmary. I feel him close. I'm surprised you do not, Helsine. Feeling? Phoebe closed her eyes, letting her senses drift, trying to focus, not focus, in the odd way that magic required. And there, just a hint, a tiny taste of chrysanthemum. Something felt wrong, bitter, cold. She stood, following the twinge of feeling out the door, moving past rubble and debris still there from the failure of the veil, and stood under the vaulted ceiling of the underworld, her head tilted back, listening. She had a moment of, something isn't right. And then her skin was ripping apart. She could feel her limbs busting out of stone, shattering bonds. Armor snapped as her ribcage expanded, and she howled with malevolent violence. Freezing madness seemed to fill her up from the inside out. A cold, shimmering urge to bury everything that was somewhere between joy, exhilaration, and complete cruelty. She cried out in reaction against the feeling filling up in her mind, and she realized she was fine. Nothing had happened physically. Her hands and feet were her own. Her body was fine. Her skin was whole. Nothing had happened. An odd burning sensation slowly spread from her hips to her throat all along her midsection. In a panic, she pulled off her tunic and watched a golden chrysanthemum slowly etching itself into her flesh, a magical tattoo burning itself into her. But this is the spell I made for Idas, she thought in confusion, watching it unfurl. What does it mean when... She stopped. Her eyes got wide. No, no, no. Oh, no. The binding's failed. Magic's failed. Silence is either dead or... Or so insane there's nothing left of his magic or mind anymore. She closed her eyes and moaned, moaned in mourning, feeling her heart tearing into little tiny pieces and pressing against her ribs. Silence, please, please give me something. Anything. Please don't make me do this by myself. She didn't realize she was on her knees until Magda's arms came around her and helped her back into the hospital. Chapter 9 A sound like screeching metal on stone set her out of the hospital and back into the courtyard. She dropped Hurricane's hand and made her way out the doors to stare at a perfect circle cut in the middle of the city. 
a perfect circle made of black glass and the smoking ruins of what looked like people, or maybe ancient skeletons. She couldn't be sure. Tall buildings stood made of foreign materials that felt hollow and dead when she delicately touched her fingers to them. Plastic-like, but not quite plastic. Steel-like, but not quite steel. And the ground, an unnaturally smooth black obsidian that was painful to walk on. It was filled with smoking bodies, skeletons reaching for something, trying to run, half-severed. And she wasn't the only one. Newly recovered hurricane came out as well. The few elementals and demons that were left also drifted into the new section of their city. Hurricane, called Phoebe, have you ever seen anything like this? Never, she called back, squatting to inspect one of the skeletons. But it looks, look like, it looks like Leviathan mischief. Wanderer, said Ocean, limping up to the limits of the circle. His deep voice was troubled and filled with fear, maybe? Phoebe was a little startled. Ocean wasn't afraid of anything. Or at least, she had never seen him afraid. What? she cleverly asked. Wanderer what? Zaman, he said, breathing the word out as if it was an ill will. Wind. Ah, that wanderer, she thought, feeling a shiver. All Silence's journal said was, Zaman does what Zaman wants. Don't get in the way. That lot of good that is. For all the notes and records he takes, you'd think he'd be a little bit more descriptive. Phoebe caught sight of Judas and Magda, both as hounds, sprinting towards the disturbance. Uh-oh, never a good sign when those two have that level of urgency going on. She waved, and the two beelined for her. Great. Mistress, said Judas, breathless. The mirror, it's broken. What? I can't see anything. I was doing a usual broad search for Master Silence when there was a white light and the mirror went dark. It's dead. I can't get it to respond. Hmm. Hey, water mages, Phoebe said, feeling Judas's panic in her own heart, but also a strange, apathetic expectation. Yeah, this might as well happen. Why not? What would make our mirror fail? Hurricane and Ocean looked at each other. No idea, they said in unison. Could be someone running a counterspell, elaborated Hurricane. Or the original caster could be dead, said Ocean. Or the spell could be contaminated, continued Hurricane. Or that realm could no longer exist, finished Ocean. Judas perked his ears back and whined. Magda twined around Phoebe and sat on her foot. Considering we know Zaman is here and trying to get our attention, I believe we can assume it wants to talk, said Ocean, waving at the transported alien city in the middle of Crossroads. I wouldn't put it past the Wanderer to eliminate a realm just to make sure we got the message. Great, said Phoebe sarcastically. What do we do then? Nothing, said Thunder, finally making an appearance and acting as a clutch for Festus, who leaned on him gratefully. Maybe leaning into Thunder just a little more than it was strictly necessary, and with just a touch more gratitude than was strictly necessary. Hurricane snickered. Sorry, uh, Festus and I were just... Uh, he was helping me with a new... Hmm. He stopped talking, and Phoebe saw Faistos give her just the tiniest wink before schooling his face into his usual peaceful expression. Anyway, Zaman is just going to beat the shit out of us anyway. We might as well get comfortable. A low hiss sounded around them, a crackling, ionic energy that made the hair on her arms prickle. Ocean slammed his fists together to create a huge, watery bubble that surrounded the alien city, all the beings and them in rushing waves, protecting them as a shield. The hiss intensified, even through the waters, and Phoebe saw shimmering lights of all colors spurt like fireworks or lightning bugs in the area outside the bubble. Flashes of random colors at random times that eventually all ran together, and something shattered through her mind. She went to her knees, inarticulate with pain and feeling fire flooding through her blood as something terrible seemed to be pulling her in a dozen directions at one time. She tried to scream, but the air seemed sucked apart, toxic, or burning at random intervals, choking her and killing her in bits before switching to something new. In a moment, it was over, and Ocean released the shield. Around them, the alien city had changed to something completely different. A jungle. A jungle eating a concrete world, again with smoking bits of life and strange new beings that stared at her in confusion and shouted incomprehensible things. Everyone get away, shouted Ocean. Run! Get out of the circle! 
Magda picked Phoebe, Phoebe up bodily and sprinted toward the edges, diving out of the new land just as another series of iridescent fireworks began pinging all around them. Safe, with Maggie's arms around her, Phoebe looked around frantically for others. Ocean had brought up his shield again, wrapped around Hurricane, and Thunder was on his knees, a circle of light inscribed with odd symbols held in front of him and Phaestos. Oh, shield, right. She wrapped her and Magda in a swirling gold mist she hearted into a multifaceted crystal, trying to focus on keeping everything out. Magic, things, people, whatever. Stay out there, she thought. Another low, abusive hiss started. Fireworks and colors popped, and the air made that long, rippling motion again as if someone was tearing space-time apart. The jungle city disappeared. Nothing happened. Looking through the golden shield, she saw ocean and thunder tentatively drop theirs. She spun the gold back into her and stood up, helping Maggie stand. Thank you, mistress, said her hound. Phoebe pressed her fingers to her lips. Shh, there's Judas. He was alone, curled with his tail between his legs. She couldn't tell if he was injured or not. She sprinted forward, feeling another hiss starting the moment she moved. She could see the air ripple and flex around him. No, 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 she thought, stopping and whipping out a large vine from the ground to fling Judas into thunder. Take care of him, she shouted to him in her mind as the colors started dancing around her. It's too far. I'll never get back, she thought in desperation, starting to weave a golden shield around herself. Random colors intensified, and the abrasive hum made her teeth itch. It made it hard to hold on to the spell, and she could feel it start to twist away from her as the transport spell gained strength. She had a moment to lock eyes with Hurricane as her own spell failed, and as the air shivered around her. No, yelled Hurricane. Not alone. You... But it was too late. Within heartbeats, everything fell away. She gasped for air, but there was nothing. Nothing to hold on to. Nothing to fall on to. For what was a moment, or maybe an eternity, Phoebe hung in a white sea of nothingness, only light, light everywhere, empty. No sound, no shape, even her own form was slowly burned away, replaced with burning light. She didn't exist anymore. Phoebe was gone. There was some kind of consciousness that remained, but it was as if she was merged with all things at once, all times at once. Everything that would be and was, everything that is, filled up with that light and her in it. Individuality burned away under the glare. I could leave you here, you know, said a voice from the light. It wouldn't be hard. There was a long pause. Phoebe couldn't seem to care, couldn't seem to register the words, couldn't seem to register herself. A sigh. No, that won't do, I suppose. White light slowly faded, disappearing from Phoebe's skin and eyes, leaving her blinking and confused. She was standing in the middle of a field of flowers as the glare slowly receded. Um, thank you, she managed, grateful and surprised at the flowers and the mercy. I'm glad you feel like talking. I wasn't ever really good at fighting. She took a long look around, feeling only sunlight and wind on her face instead of the acid bitterness of the mortal realm. No one was screaming. There was no pain here, just flowers. I like this place, she said to the disembodied light, but there was no answer. Phoebe closed her eyes, reveling in being warm. Wherever Zaman had taken her, it was summer. There was a lake. Bees droned in the air. A breeze blew hot from the west. It felt very familiar. As the glare faded even more and her eyes adapted to more usual levels of light, Phoebe saw a young girl in front of her. A very young girl. No more than twelve or thirteen. Long blonde hair and a white sundress. Hello, she said, smiling, reaching out to her. What's your name? You already know me, said the voice from the light coming out of the girl's mouth. I thought we could talk for a minute. Phoebe withdrew her hands. The only leviathan she was interested in touching was Idas, and that's just to wring his neck. I haven't gotten to talk to someone in a long, long time, continued the girl. That's fine, said Phoebe, feeling like there was a joke in the last statement, but not wanting to offend her, it, whatever it was. I like to talk. She sat down on the grass and patted the ground next to her invitingly. Zaman came and sat close enough that Phoebe could see her red, creepy eyes and her too pale skin. 
Traces of shadows seemed to move like animated blood vessels underneath all that paleness. Phoebe looked at the lake instead. This is a pretty place to talk, wanderer. Thank you for bringing me here, she said after a moment when Zaman didn't seem inclined to say anything. The leviathan shrugged and pulled her knees into her chest, tucking her bare feet under her dress. I come here sometimes, she said, softly enough that Phoebe had to strain to hear her. It made her seem even more childlike. I like seeing his face when you two meet for the first time. His face? said Phoebe. Zaman nodded and gestured toward the side of a lake. A serious-looking young man in black mage's robes had fallen asleep by the bank. His mouth was open, arms behind his head. Phoebe was pretty sure he was snoring quietly, since he did everything quietly. Is that silence? She took another look at the lake. Is this? Wander, why are we here? Zaman held up her hand to hush her and motioned her attention back towards the scene. Watch, you're going to miss the best part. A group of girls came over the opposite hillside, laughing, playing. Phoebe didn't bother to hide her groan of embarrassment as she saw her younger self. She put a hand to her forehead to hide her eyes as younger her cut holes in people's dresses, tripped them, and generally made a nuisance of herself. God help us, it's such an asshole. Oh lord. Wanderer, we really don't have to watch this. Hush, please. Zaman rolled onto her stomach to balance up on her elbows, cradling her chin in both hands and crossing her ankles high behind her. Phoebe tried not to roll her eyes. Sure enough, the noise seemed to wake up the boy. Long lashes fluttered open and the muscles of his forearms flexed as he stretched his hands up and over his head. He really is a handsome thing, she thought, as his dark eyes fixed on the group, on her. Well, the other her. She knew that because unlike her younger self, Phoebe saw an indigo black and gold ribbon snap between the two children, pull taunt, and fade. It took no more than an instant, but it was real. A binding spell? Did Ida spell me just to meet me? She felt indignation rising up. That little sneak of all the terrible stoop... Oh, no, the colors are wrong. Her own gold was mixed in there as well, and she hadn't learned any of the greater magics when they'd first met. On second thought, she looked at Idas's face, easily done since Zaman had frozen time and started to wander over to him. Phoebe followed and felt something hiccup in her chest when they got close enough. He's so young. She couldn't help it. Magic kept him youngish looking, if he wanted, but this was a boy, open, vulnerable. She could see hope and longing, loneliness, all of it pasted on his expressions as if he hadn't learned to wear a mask yet. It made her intensely uncomfortable to see emotion on his face, as if she was looking too deeply into something too private, too intimate. He was shocked, delighted, yearning, after a single moment's glance. My poor silence, she thought, unable to stop herself reaching out to trace the bones of his face with her fingertips. I'm so sorry. Zaman was staring at her. Does it hurt? she asked. What? said Phoebe, still sighing over silence as a boy. To love someone. Phoebe kept her eyes on young silence, on the boy without pain lines on his forehead, without responsibilities, without Hyperion and Crossroads and Judas and judgment, on the boy that was still able to show emotion, on the boy that yearned like that for her. She felt her chest constrict. Yes, she murmured finally. Yes, it does. I thought so, said Zaman. All of you look like you're in pain most of the time. She smiled a little at her own joke. Well, most of the time. All of us? Zaman nodded and started to walk around the lake. She'd frozen the moment in between ripples on its surface so that it looked like a glass sculpture. I liked Tartarus, but I got so lonely. Sometimes I'd visit these scenes, you in silence, Hurricane and Ocean, Ankh, Soulbinder. I like to see the moment. The moment of what? Zaman turned her head slightly away from Phoebe, hiding her expression. The moment you didn't have to be alone anymore. She let her face fall up towards the sun. Tartarus was nice. It pulled away most of my power so I could think, for once. But it reminded me how lonely everything is. Oh, 
said Phoebe, echoing Zaman's former position, sitting near young Silence with her feet tucked under her shorter skirt. Who's going to see anyway, my husband? So you could still use your power then? Zaman nodded. Yes, but only on myself. Everything else got sucked away or dampened. She looked down at her small hands. The power didn't hurt anymore when I was there. It was like silence gave us a pressure valve to dump everything into. She sighed. I liked it. I didn't want to break it. I just wanted to get out a little more. Phoebe picked her words carefully. You know, I could help you build something like Tartarus again. Slowly, gently. Something to take the edge off. Zaman gave her one of those sideways smiles and said dryly, How good of you. Phoebe cleared her throat. Well, I mean, we'd love your help in getting the realms under control and everything, but, you know, Silence is really good at this stuff. I'm sure he could build you a spell that would keep you and the realm safe. Silence has fallen, said Zaman, sadly. He's not there anymore. I'm sorry, she looked at Phoebe. You should let him go. Phoebe felt her voice catch. Silence hasn't fallen. He's just blowing off a little steam. He'll come back when he's ready. He released Hyperion, and he asked to die. Zaman held up a hand, cocking her head to the side. I can take you there, if you want to see. Phoebe inhaled sharply and felt something stick in her throat. I, no, that's not silence. You, what are you? Zaman shrugged. Wanderer, I see all things and all times in all places, but I can't touch them. Sometimes I can bring others together or apart. But me? Always nothing but a ghost. Phoebe reached out a hand that passed through Zaman, through nothingness. Silence and I have a lot in common, she said softly. I wish I could die too. Stop that, said Phoebe, shaken despite herself. If you want a body, I'm sure Silence can loan you one of his. He's got loads of earth forms you can take. And come to Crossroads. There's a gate there, a permanent one, between realms. I don't know if it still works with all this, but why not travel with a form? I'm pretty sure I could bind you to the underworld. We could we could take your power and restore the veil. This is totally possible. Phoebe closed her eyes as her heart seemed to get another two sizes too small. You don't need to give up yet. Not you too. Zaman took some small steps toward her. Could you? Could you bind me, Spring? Could you take away this? Her white sundress was striped with blood, and her hands came bloodied toward Phoebe, reaching, unable to touch. This is what the power feels like all the time. Please make it stop hurting. Can you make it stop? Yes, she said, sure, in that instant that she would, knew, she would know what to do. Zaman, she said in her command voice, I bind you to the world of the dead, to the tree that knows no winter and will never fall. I bind you into service of life, into the rock of the earth itself. Phoebe let golden magic swirl up around both of them, feeling the earth open up to receive them as it had done for her and Idas a lifetime ago. <clears throat> she poured it into Zaman, giving her skin limbs, shaped to match her own as they plummeted into underworld, into the heart of the garden Idas had built and destroyed for her. She could feel Zaman helping her, augmenting her spell with her own, to move them both into the underworld, into the broken dead form of a tree waiting for a soul. The world tree, the eastern pillar of the universe they would build. She held Zaman as they fell, held her with her arms and her magic, winding life and bark around her, melding her skin, her organs, her mind with the living essence of her magic, and just as they fell through to the tree, Phoebe released her, flinging her into the heart of the ancient plant, letting her soul fill up the pillar of the world. Zaman, she called in the same voice, watching golden ribbons wrap around the tree, restoring its color and texture as the leviathan became one with its flesh. Bark restored to a healthy gray-green, pink blossoms exploded in a riot of color in the dead garden. Long, slim green leaves sprouted, and in a moment magic blasted out of the tree in an aurora of red-white, spanning the entire underworld. I name you World Tree, shouted Phoebe over the explosion of sound and color. I bind you, Zaman, to the tree of the east as the wanderer, of spring, of beginnings, of air and mountains. 
As she shouted the last word, she clapped her hands, feeling the tattered remnants of the veil in her mind, and gently bent them to absorb the cacophony of Zaman's power flooding unrestrained into the void. She let it fill up the old spell instead, feeling the borders between realms stiffen and ease as nature and magic found old boundaries again and the violent geyser of power redirected still. Redirect and still. She opened her eyes. And that is the end of this week's episode. We'll see you next time.